Mark. Invitation will be 454 in Rock of Ages. Good afternoon. You know, it's really easy to take incredible things for granted, isn't it? You know, something truly fantastic comes along, something that is absolutely stunning comes along, and it's first on the scene, and everybody's smitten by it. Remember, remember the, the, the amazement when mobile phones first came on the scene? Granted, they were the big bricks that you had to carry around, but people were amazed by them. But now, they're common things. Everybody's got one. They're not all that special. Soon, that which is extraordinary comes, becomes that which is expected. Somewhere along the line, we pick up our jaws off the ground, and then we begin to notice limitations, and we begin to notice, notice flaws and missed opportunities. We soon begin to see this modern marvel, be it a car that can park itself, or a truck that can back the trailer up for you all by itself, or a phone that can navigate us to the mall, or a genetically enhanced hypoallergenic dog as mundane. They become everyday things, and they become as things that need to be improved. Take flying, for example. 117 years ago this year, the Wright brothers took their first flight. Something amazing happened that day. Granted, it was only a few feet off the ground, and it wasn't very far, and it wasn't very fast, but man flew. And in the course of a century, some amazing things happened. What happened is that one flight in North Carolina 117 years ago, now there are over 30,000 flights every day just in the United States. Is that not amazing? But you know what? For a lot of people, air travel has lost its luster. Each year, the American Consumer Satisfaction Institute polls travelers to find out how satisfied they are with their air travel. They want to get a snapshot of how the average flyer feels about his travel experience. And despite slightly more positive scores in recent years, according to the survey, commercial airlines rank near the bottom of 43 industries that have polled on a yearly basis. You know who they edge out? Cable television and internet service providers. Those are below them. And then you got, third from the bottom, airlines. Now, this dissatisfaction is not without its merit. We've all experienced enough of the cramped seating, right? When you're flying a coach, there ain't a whole lot of leg room. It's not comfortable. We've experienced the overpriced ticketing. We've experienced the canceled flights. We've experienced the crazy fees, the sitting out on the tarmac forever and a day, waiting to simply take off. And we all agree that flying is not quite as much fun and, and much more frustrating than it used to be. But perhaps as when our complaints pile up, the best effective remedy is not to get a better airline, but maybe get a little bit more perspective. 
you know, perhaps we need to stop and smell the jet fuel every once in a while. Because you are flying at 30,000 feet at 550 miles an hour, making a journey in just a couple of hours that would take you days. And years and years back would take you a month or even a year to get to. Things could be a lot worse. So, if the church were part of that 43 different institutions that were polled as far as satisfaction is concerned, how would it do? You know, you could easily lump the church in there with smartphones and golden doodles and commercial air travel. A marvel that seems to have lost its luster and whose satisfactions are often sadly very low. You could lump it in there. Take the church at Corinth for a minute. 1 Corinthians could be called something a little bit different than 1 Corinthians, couldn't it? Could be called Christians Gone Wild. You've got, you know, the Apostle Paul addresses a boatload of problems here with the church at Corinth. You've got people fighting for power. You've got people abusing the Lord's Supper. People are sleeping around. They're suing each other. You've got false teachers. You've got marriages that are on a meltdown. Now, if the survey floated around the church at Corinth to find out how satisfied they were, it would probably come back somewhere between Department of Motor Vehicles and jury duty. They probably wouldn't find themselves very satisfied. The church at Corinth, folks, was a mess. They had a lot of issues. But you know what the sad truth is? You look at a lot of churches today, you're going to find the same thing. You're going to find the same thing. You lift the hood on any congregation, and you're going to find leaks and squeaks, and you're going to find, hear bumps and thumps and rattles. Folks, the church of Jesus Christ is made up of people who, yes, are saved by Jesus Christ, but are still in desperate need of Jesus Christ. Okay? They're not perfect people. There's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be immorality that comes to light and is going to have to be addressed within the church. It's just going to happen. That's because we're people. Politics are at play. If you don't believe that there are politics within the Lord's church... You're living in a different world than I am because there are politics. Unfortunately, there are politics, right? Yes, there are. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. We've got marriages that are messy and need help. We've got a mission that misses the mark sometimes and needs to be refocused. There is always going to be something within the Lord's church that can cause deep dissatisfaction and deep discouragement. Paul, like any good preacher though, doesn't beat around the bush. 
doesn't avoid the problems. He points them out. He hits them head on. And you know what he does? He singles people out. Heaven forbid if a preacher ever singles somebody out. But that's what he does. He singled people out. He held people accountable for their actions, for what they had done, and he called for repentance, and he called for renewal. And you know what? He calls for us to do the same thing today. We've got to single out sin. We've got to hold people accountable. We've got to call people for repentance and renewal. He not only lets the Corinthian brethren know the depths to which they had sunk, but he tries to lift them back up to a life with Jesus Christ that is more reflective of the dignity and the beauty that's given to them as the bride of Christ. What's equally instructive, though, and yet it's often overlooked when you're reading the book of 1 Corinthians because there's so many problems with the church of Corinth that it's easy to focus on those. But what we overlook is what Paul did before he laid down the law. Before he started calling people and holding them accountable, before correcting mistakes, he made it clear that despite all that was broken in the church, he was still deeply satisfied with what God had accomplished within that church. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you. Really? You know, this is a great instruction for us on how to deal with church problems, isn't it? There were some severe issues. We just rattled off them all. But what was his first action? I give thanks to my God always for the church at Corinth. And he, when Paul says that, he doesn't just say it just to make people happy. He says it because that's what he does. He was always thanking God for the church at Corinth. And it's as if he's making the point to say, despite the immorality, despite all the gossip, despite the immaturity and the selfishness that's on, on display here, I want it to be clear that I'm still overjoyed at the miracle that is this church. And this is an instructive attitude for God's people today. Every once in a while, we need to kind of take a pause from all our lamenting and all our complaining and how much we missed the mark, and we need to recapture our perspective. We need to step back and really see what it is we are and who we are. You know, for the most part, we are an apathetic and short-sighted people in the sight of truly amazing things, aren't we? That's what we are as humans. Everything's amazing and nobody's happy. We live in an absolutely amazing world. We, we are part of an amazing church, but yet sometimes nobody's happy. You know, we get frustrated with our cell phones, which are amazing feats of, of machinery, right? Okay, you just think about it. Think about the size of the computer that it took to send man to the moon. 
It was bigger than this church building. And my phone puts it to shame. It is hundreds of times more powerful than the computer that sent man to the moon. And yet if it falters in giving us the weather, or if it pauses during the ABC News, or doing a, during a Hulu movie that I'm trying to watch, we get frustrated with it, don't we? Give it a second. It's going into space and coming back down to me. You know, is the speed of light too slow for me? Is that too slow? You know, we all have horror stories of canceled flights and waiting on the tarmac for 20, 30, 40 minutes, you know, before we take off. And we overlook the fact that that such an inconvenience, you know, we overlook that inconvenience that we're, and if we get that we're in a strapped in a chair flying at 550 miles an hour from New York to Los Angeles in just a couple of hours. That's a trip that took a full year before even modern cars. People had to walk. And when you got to your destination, you would have probably lost almost everything that you had. And part of your family was going to be dead and left back on the trail someplace. And now you're flying from New York to L.A. in just a matter of a few hours. Overall, you know, life's pretty good. It could be worse. So let's remember that there are some very good reasons to be satisfied with the Lord's church. We've got to keep in mind that despite the flawed people that we are in Christ, we're flying at 550 miles an hour, at 30,000 feet. Specifically, Paul reminds us of three reasons why he is so thankful for and satisfied with the church body in Corinth despite all the issues that they're having to deal with. For Paul, the church was still something to marvel over because it had three things. It had grace, it had gifts, and it had a guarantee. And that's what we're going to look at this afternoon. We're going to start with grace. What makes a body of believers great is not what that body of believer does. It's what has been done to them. It's not the mercy we show. It's the great mercy and grace that's been shown to us. That's what makes us great. The primary reason Paul was overjoyed with the church at Corinth is because of the gift of faith faith and the flood of forgiveness that was lavished upon them by God. That's why he was so thankful for the church at Corinth. He says in verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. The incredible promise of the gospel is grace. No matter how much we've messed up prior to meeting Jesus, Some people messed up a little bit. Some people messed up a whole lot. But you know what? In Jesus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
once we're connected to the work of the cross through faith and through baptism, we're adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom. And we experience grace and we experience mercy. It's a fact that as we look at our ongoing battles, should continually make us shake our heads in disbelief. How can such a loving God extend that much grace toward little old, pitiful, mistake-ridden me? How can that happen? It is unbelievable. We should continually shake our heads that we're the recipients of such wonderful grace. Because, folks, we deserve death and destruction, don't we? Every one of us deserve death and destruction, but we have been sentenced to life and love. Amazing. Things could be worse, right? Things could be worse. Not only did the church of Corinth have grace, <coughs> but it also had gifts. Paul writes that the church was enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. Sure, the church is pretty much a ragtag bunch of broken believers, right? That's what the church is. But God promised that when the church is established by God's grace, it is also gifted and equipped to be that church by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's not going to give us grace and say, hey, you are my church, and then not give us the gifts in order to make that church work. Yeah, the church in Corinth had its troubles, but it wasn't without hope because it and every church established by God, every congregation has been established by God, is promised a reservoir of gifts and talents that simply need to be unleashed and encouraged among people. And those gifts and talents are what make the church work. And they demonstrate that wonderful grace that we have. Last, Paul found great joy in the struggling Corinthian church because of the bright and glorious future guarantee that each dysfunctional but deeply loved church has. Ultimately, Paul wrote the church was waiting for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end. You know, undergirding the life of every local church is the truth that despite all of our imperfections, despite all of our difficulties and troubles, the end is not in doubt. There is no doubt how this is all going to end. The future of God's mission is not dependent on whether the church at Corinth got her act together or not. And it's a good thing. And you know what? The future of God's mission is not dependent on whether or not Waterson Trail gets their act together or not. It doesn't matter whether we can solve our imperfections or not. 
doesn't, mind, doesn't matter whether we effectively address blatant sin or not. The future of the church is secure, not because of what we as the church do, it's because of what Jesus Christ did in His life. The church is secure because of Jesus Christ. And that no matter what happens within the local church, He will return. No matter what happens in the local church, whether it's Corinth or Waterson Trail or whatever, He will resurrect and He will find the, the faithful faultless. No matter what happens with the local church, He will take the kingdom and deliver it to His Father. And it will be established forever. And until that day, He will keep the church alive. Hold tight to this truth next time you ever sit in a contentious congregational meeting. Hold tight to this truth next time that there's a, a, a disagreement or a problem that might arise within the local church. That the future of the church is not dependent on how we handle our problems. Jesus has already determined what the future of the church is going to be. The future that we have to determine is whether I'm going to be in that future or not. Hold on to that truth next time somebody leaves our congregation for another congregation. Christ has guaranteed a good ending. Christ has guaranteed that there will, will be a positive end to this life and that the church will endure and that there is still reason to hope. It is so easy to take incredible things for granted. And unfortunately, a lot of times we take the church for granted. The church is an incredible thing. It's a body of believers that was purchased by the blood of the Son of God. And unfortunately, we tend to take it for granted sometimes. And according to the customer satisfaction poll that we talked about earlier, you know, one of those things that taken for granted was air travel. And it's business travels, the business travelers, the ones who spend more time in the air than anybody else, really, who give the harshest reviews and the lowest rankings for air travel. Perhaps the more time you spend with something, even if it's something amazing, the easier it is to notice the flaws, the easier it is to notice the, how it needs room for improvement. For far too many, that's where we are with the church. Maybe it's because we spend so much time with it, we see all the leaks and the cracks, and we hear all the bumps and the grinds. Yet for all her struggles, you know what, folks? The church has a lot going for her. She was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And one day, she will be delivered to the Father. So let's never forget that. She, we, are still something to be satisfied with. There are still reasons to be greatly satisfied with the church. Not because of what we're able to bring to the table, but because of what God has done to us and because of what God has done through us in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we got to deal with our dissatisfaction. 
When we start becoming dysfunctional, we got to deal with that too. Sinful actions and sinful attitudes, they've got to be dealt with. They've got to be addressed. They've got to be, people have to be held accountable for their actions. If it can't be dealt with privately, then guess what? It's got to be dealt with publicly. That's just the way it is. That's the way God said it was supposed to be. Paul showed us in his dealing with the church at Corinth that times like this can be very discouraging. And sometimes it can be very dissatisfying. But we need to remember that there is so much about the church to be satisfied with. We are graced. And folks, grace, even just by itself, is a marvelous thing that we just kind of shake our head at and and wonder how. How can such an all-powerful, mighty, holy God do that? But not only are we graced, we're gifted. We have the gifts to function within the Lord's church. We have the gifts to deal with the problem. We have the gifts to teach people and to grow and to take the message to the world. And we also have a guarantee that no matter how well we are at doing it with all those gifts, the end is not dependent upon our ability to do that. The end is already guaranteed. It's just whether or not I'm going to be part of it or not. Yeah, we might lose some baggage, but you know what? We're traveling at 550 miles an hour. And that's pretty incredible. Being part of the Lord's church, even if there are issues, even if there are problems, is still the most incredible thing to be a part of. God bless the Lord's church. And may we always do whatever we can to further the church here on this earth. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. If perhaps you are finding yourself discouraged, about certain things. Maybe not the church, but maybe about your position with God, your situation with God, your relationship, your relationship with your family, your brothers and sisters, whatever, whatever it is that's discouraging you. Let's help build you up. Let's help find out what it is that's being a thorn in your side that's causing you this discouragement. Let's help lift you up and find reasons for you to be satisfied with where you're at. If you need to respond tonight, I ask you to come while we stand and sing.